Please listen carefully. Welcome to the NC State Philanthropy Podcast, telling the world how we think and do through the support of our friends, alumni, and more. I'm your host, Taylor Pardue. On this episode, we're joined by Clyde Sorensen, an NC State alumnus, distinguished professor, and donor, to discuss the impact of private support on his work and the university as a whole. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Sorensen. Just to kick things off, just tell us a little bit about how you came to NC State and uh, kind of bring us up to the modern day. I'll be glad to do, and thanks for the invite. Um, so, I uh, I came to NC State uh, as a as a freshman in 1976, and um, NC State was one of only two places I applied, and I applied the other place I applied um, is about 20 miles west of here. <laughs> And I won't mention the name anyway. Um, but I, I came to NC State uh, because even as a small child, I've always been fascinated by living things, okay. particularly by animals of, of all flavors. And um, I got it in my head when I was actually when I was in middle school that I wanted to be a biologist. Hmm. And then um, when I uh, was in high school, I decided I wanted to be a wildlife biologist. Okay. And North Carolina State University had the best um, program in North Carolina that I knew of anyhow in wildlife. And so that's, that's what led me here. Um, my dad was, a, was in the service. I was, a, I was an Army brat. Okay. And uh, um, we moved around a lot. I was born in New Mexico and lived in Hawaii and Pennsylvania and oh, Texas wow. before we moved to North Carolina when I was 10. So, okay. Um, you know, North Carolina is pretty much my home state, as close to a home state as I have. Yeah. Anyway, so I came in, in 76. I um, uh, enrolled in the wildlife biology program. I got my bachelor's in wildlife in 1980. Um, that led uh, to a really cool uh, internship that I did where I got to play with alligators and oh, wow. red cockaded woodpeckers. And then um, I worked for a while for... NIEHS out in the Triangle, and I came back to uh, NC State in 1981 okay. to pursue my master's in entomology, uh, having realized that it's a whole lot easier to get a job in entomology than wildlife biology, and also having realized that insects are wildlife. They're yeah. perhaps some of the most important wildlife, hmm. um, and in many ways they're really underappreciated. So. I got my, my bachelor's uh, in 1980. I got my master's in entomology in 1984. And then I pursued my PhD in entomology as well and, and earned that in 1988. And then from there, uh, I worked for a short while here in a postdoc position. And then I went out west um, and worked on the faculty at University of Nevada in Reno for almost four years. And then the faculty of the University of Missouri Columbia at an off-campus research station for about four years um, before I got the chance to come back home. Okay. And so I've been back at NC State on the faculty here since 1996, okay. which seems like a really, really long time ago. 
we were talking off air about, um, again, the class that I took with you and how many students you've taught since then. You said it's up to about 8,000. It's over 8,000. Yeah. So I I teach uh, insects and people in 201, which is a science class for non-science majors. And I've been teaching it uh, since 2000. And so, yeah, um, I've accumulated now over 8,000, almost 9,000 students in that class, which is one of the things I'm most proud of is how many, how many folks I've managed to corrupt with a a affection for insects. (laughs) Well, you said, uh, uh, what was it? The flavor of wildlife or or flavor. Uh, one of the things that always stands out in my mind about uh, your class was, uh, taste testing some of the different bugs like mealworms and things like that. So, yeah. So that's one of the units we cover in in 201 (laughs) is, is it's, uh, the subject is entomophagy. That's the practice of eating insects, Mm -hmm. which most of the world does. So yeah, we have a unit on entomophagy and, and as part of that unit, we, uh, we bring food into the classroom, and we actually prepare some food in the classroom. <laughs> Let me just got myself in trouble with that declaration, but um, yeah, we we feed uh, we feed our our students uh, our two hundred one students with uh, we feed them uh, hush grubbies, yeah, which are hush puppies with mealworms in them, and we feed them uh, rice critter treats and chocolate covered cr- cricket clusters and and. Recently, we've been also serving folks. I don't think you got the chance when you took the class, but we've been serving, serving folks, uh, Cajun roasted super worms. As no, well. I would have remembered that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's probably the most daring thing that we serve. But it uh, it's obviously a novelty. It sticks out in people's mind. It's uh, informative, but like you said, also like that's um, diversifying and you know broadening your mind about what the rest of the world is like. And uh, again, it's something that's overlooked. You know, they don't think of them as wildlife. Certainly, don't think of them as food uh, food source. But um, yeah, very invaluable part of your class, I think. Yeah. So yeah, but one of the most important things we try and get across in that class is is just how deeply embedded insects are in our in our cultural environment. Mm-hmm. And you know, we are exceptional in this part of the world and and not routinely eating insects. Most yeah. folks in the world eat insects not because they have to but because they like to that's true too just like you know in a lot of other parts of the world folks might look uh look askance at somebody eating a soft shell crab sandwich sure um you know that's a pretty that's a pretty gnarly gnarly dish if you're not familiar with it (laughs) um you know we have to kind of modify our attitudes i think a little bit yeah and, and realize that you know most of the world regards insects at least some insects is really no. Top drawer uh, noshing, yeah. <laughs> uh, so kind of switching gears from mm-hmm. that, building on it, uh, it's a nice segue to what are you working on now uh, or teaching now as well? You know, so, what does your role look like? Yeah, so my role, I've got, <laughs> I've got a lot of roles. Um, my primary responsibility is teaching, <laughs> and I teach my undergraduate class, um, 201, I teach it both spring and fall. <laughs> Uh, I teach a, a large lecture section each semester, uh, 140 in the in the fall and 160 in the spring, and I also each semester have about 80 or so students in the distance ed section. Okay. And then I teach again in the first summer session. I teach <laughs> distance ed section of 201 as well. And then beyond that, I teach um, several graduate courses. I teach a uh, every fall. I teach a graduate course in the. Integrated pest management, okay. which is the 
the philosophy that drives most of our, our uh, insect pest management programs nowadays. Um, in alternate springs, I teach insect ecology as a graduate course. Every summer, I have a one-week course that we take to the mountains okay. um, for our incoming entomology graduate students. Um, we call it insect natural history and field ecology. And we spend a week up in the mountains basically having a lot of fun studying insects <laughs> in the field. And then um, in alternate summers, prior to COVID anyhow, in alternate summers, sure. I, uh, I also teach a, uh, a 10-week field course called the uh, Agricultural Entomology Practicum, where oh, wow. we spend a day in the field with one of our faculty members learning about what it is they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Yeah, I teach a lot. Uh, and mm-hmm. one other thing that, that that's coming back onto the table is uh, uh, several years ago, I took a course, uh, a class to uh, Mexico to see the monarch butterflies oh, and wow. their overwintering habitat. And, okay. Um, we're finally getting to do that again this winter. So nice. between Christmas and New Year's, we'll be in Mexico seeing monarch butterflies in huge numbers and humpback whales and other cool stuff. Yeah. So I teach a lot. Um, and then beyond that, I do have um, some research responsibilities. Uh, for most of my career here at NC State, I've, I've worked in agricultural pest management, sure. primarily on uh, tobacco and other field crops. Over the last, I'd say, eight or nine years, a lot of my research has been more in the vein of conservation biology okay. and uh, looking at insect and plant relationships primarily in the in the Longley uh, Pine Savannah mm-hmm. ecosystems that we have here in North Carolina in the Sand Hills and down on the coast. So we've done some really cool things. We looked at the reproductive ecology of endangered plants on Fort Bragg. Um, we spent a, a, about four years doing some really cool work on um, the reproductive ecology of the Venus flytrap. Okay. And so... Um, uh, now I've got a, a, a graduate student, a PhD student, who is um, studying the ants that live in the tree canopies in temperate oh, forests. Here. Okay, uh, they've been heavily studied in the tropics, but sure. we know almost nothing about what kind of ants you might find in trees here. And so uh, she's been working on that for now three years. Uh, through COVID, she's done great, and um, we're learning some really cool things like. Great. Some ants pretty much only stay in the trees. So. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind kind of and thing. So yeah, yeah. so and you know in the tropics, those canopy ants have really important ecological roles to play. And so we're oh. just in the earliest stages of trying to figure out what they do here. Okay. And then the last major component of my job, you know, one that I'm hopefully going to pass off to somebody else in the next year or so, is that. I'm the director of graduate programs for the entomology okay. program. So um, it's my responsibility to make sure our graduate students that get admitted properly and then progress um, uh, well as they go through their graduate programs here in, in, our, in, our, in our department. Well, and I know um, unofficially, but just another hat that you kind of wear, is uh, extension, working with kind of the extension program, not directly, but... Sort of as a uh, liaison, maybe. Is so, that the right word of. Yeah, so I don't have a formal extension appointment. I, I imagine most folks that know anything at all about cows know you. Yeah. We've got this three part mission. We've got 
teaching, research, and extension. And many folks have formal appointments in extension. I don't have a formal appointment appointment in extension, but I do a lot of um, outreach and science communication. Mm-hmm. And um, I do support uh, the extension programs when it's uh, when, when I'm needed. Uh, I, I think a real important job for anybody on a faculty uh, of a land grant um, institution is to try and communicate science to the public. And so yeah. I spend a fair amount of time doing that kind of thing. Yeah. I think we're talking about uh, the, the three pronged part of cows and then um, your time as a student too, doing all three degrees here. I just, I think that, uh, has always fascinated me about your story is how involved you've been with all the aspects of, of yeah. campus life. Yeah. So, I mean, over the course of my academic career, I've had appointments in all three of those major missions. Yeah. I was a hundred percent extension when I was in Nevada. I was 50% research, 50% extension when I was in Missouri. I was hired here at a hundred percent research and now I'm 90% teaching. <laughs> so yeah, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of gotten all of all of the exposure, and and I'm kind of unusual in that I did get all three of my degrees here at NC State. Mm-hmm. But the 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 thing is, the thing that that kind of inspires me to to want to support this this um, institution is that you know pretty much everything good in my life is an outgrowth of my time here at NC State as a student, and then certainly over the last let me say it again twenty six years. <laughs> on the faculty here yeah. so um, you know I, I, I got an education that allowed me to pursue the career that I wanted to pursue yeah. I've I've really enjoyed working at all the places that I've worked um, but working at NC State's a real special thing for me I met my wife while I was a student here working on my PhD between us we have I think 17 years as students oh at NC State. So if that doesn't mean something, I don't know what does. Um, yeah, you're right. And, 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 you know, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of things um, in my career and in, in my personal life that, again, you know, it all, it all harkens back to the experiences I've had here at NC State. Yeah. So, um, I know it's been encouraging to me. I've graduated with my undergrad here, and now I'm working on my master's. And, you know, the conventional wisdom when I was here as an undergraduate is um, that academia wanted you to go to different universities for different degrees, and that would look better on a transcript and everything. But to your point, like, I feel the same way about NC State. This is home. Uh, You know, I didn't want to go anywhere else. And that's it's always been encouraging that – you know, you have had such a successful career, even though you stayed. That that's not a negative. It's um, when you know where you want to be, that's where you need to be. Well, yeah, there, there's 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 a, a there's a fair amount of truth to that. And you know, in point of fact, it probably for for most folks, it probably does benefit to have a diversity of experiences. But I I kind of got that diversity of experiences by going out west. Yeah, and. You know, when, when my wife and I, my wife was born in, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee and moved to North Carolina okay. when she was six. So she, before we ever left North Carolina, she knew nothing much but sure. North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, when we when we left to go to Nevada, we went with the intention of, you know, perhaps spending an entire career there. Yeah. Um, 
but I I got experiences there that broadened me. I got experiences in Missouri that uh, that broadened me. Um, but I wouldn't have had any of those experiences if I hadn't received the education that I received here at NC State. Yeah. Um, the you know the 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 education I got here was my ticket to getting there, like which that. ultimately was my ticket to coming back here. <laughs> so, um, again, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's worked out really well for me. I, I have, I have no complaints. There's, there's really no place else in the world I'd rather work than NC state. There you go. And, uh, it's, you know, it's been a, it's been a, a real, a real pleasure for the most part. It's, you know, it's still a job, right? <laughs> There's still things you have to do that you don't necessarily want to do and things that you have to do um, that aren't necessarily all that much fun. But um, I'd say, you know, I, I've, I've really gotten a tremendous amount out of, out of being here, and I hope I've provided a, trend, a tremendous amount back to the university. Um, so in recognition of all that, you're an alumni association, undergraduate distinguished professor. Mm-hmm. Um, tell listeners a little bit about what all goes into that, um, how it furthers your work, and um, just, just all of that impact that it has on you. So uh, I, I've, I, was, I was named uh, an alumni association distinguished undergraduate professor, I think about seven or eight, maybe nine years ago. And for me, it was a, it was a, a tremendous honor because basically what it what it is is it's acknowledging, I suppose, my excellence in the classroom, hmm. and um, the the contributions I make through the teaching aspects of my my position. And, and I, I'll be frank, teaching's the most fun I have in my job. I love my research, um, and I love being out in the field. But I'll be frank, you know, if it's the end of July and I've been in that same tobacco field 14 (laughs) times already this summer it's not nearly as much fun as it once was fair enough yeah but every day I go into a classroom I have a good time yeah and I I look forward to it and so um you know that that honor was was a recognition you know I guess of of the enthusiasm and and I suppose it it, it, the expertise that I that I bring to the classroom Mm -hmm. I have a hard time saying those things about myself because I can always be better. But, yeah. but uh, um, I, I do think it's uh, it, it's uh, uh, something that it's something I certainly value. Yeah. yeah, that's what I like about distinguished professorships is, you know, there's that humility on the side of the professor themselves, but it allows us to brag <laughs> on you for you. I reckon. Mm-hmm. I reckon so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, again, you know, and I tell I tell my kids first day of class in two hundred one. I say, look, this is the most fun I've ever had and been paid for it. Yeah. Short of catching alligators, <laughs> which was a little bit more fun, but did not pay near as well. Uh, uh, I'm so yeah, that <laughs> and, makes sense. And I tell them, you know, I'm I'm gonna have a good time. Thank you. I'm gonna enjoy my time in this classroom with you guys, and you know, if y'all buy into it a little bit you're going to have a good time and you're going to learn a lot and maybe you're going to come out of this class with a different attitude about these incredible little animals that surround us in almost every way. Yeah. And that's what I tell them. And that's, I mean it. And it's, you know, I've been teaching that class for 22 years and it's, I mean, first day of class this semester was just as 
exciting to me as the first day of class 22 years ago when I started teaching it. Yeah. Um, all those years ago. So uh, I love I love being in the classroom. I love I love interacting with students. I love seeing light bulbs go off. So I guess if all that means I'm a distinguished professor, I'll I'll take it. On today's Philanthropy 101 segment, we're talking about crowdfunding. Being part of the Wolfpack means no one has to solve a problem alone. The strength of the pack is always there to back an extraordinary effort. NC State has always been a place where bold thoughts inspire even bolder actions. This is what our students learn and what they bring into the world. Every big idea starts somewhere and we make sure they have a place to grow. NC State crowdfunding is a new way we're thinking big and getting things done, thanks to the power of the pack. This platform connects alumni, friends, family, and community members with causes they're passionate about and helps our students, faculty, and staff bring their ideas to life for the benefit of our university, our state, and beyond. For more information on how you can be part of NC State crowdfunding, please visit crowdfunding.ncsu.edu. Now, back to the show. You were talking about, you know, being in the field and all that, and I just couldn't help but think, you know, you can accomplish in and of yourself a lot through research, but, you know, these 8,000 people, more than that, I'm sure, through other classes and different things, but, um, you know, all that research and all that field experience you've touched through them, where they've gone on from there and just, you know, extrapolated on out so how that, many lives you've impacted. Yeah, that's one of, that's one of the, the great joys of my life is how many folks have been introduced to the science of entomology yeah. as a sophomore or maybe a junior or maybe even a freshman in that science course for non-science majors who have then gone on to pursue graduate education in entomology. True, yeah. Um, with having no understanding of what it was before they took that class uh, and but the flipping the switch in those students that, that allows them to see that might be what what they want to pursue as a career and that interest so over 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 the years i know at least 30 or 40 if not i don't know at least because i don't know what happens to many of the students after they leave my classroom but i know at least 30 or 40 students uh, got their introduction to entomology in that class and went on to not only graduate education in entomology but really brilliant careers in, in, in entomology so i mean one of one of my two hundred one students was a park scholar in geology. Oh wow! Okay, and she ended up getting a PhD in entomology, and she's got a great career in industry. And another one of my students um, took two hundred one as a DE student, and um, she was one of the valedictorians at this institution. <laughs> and um, she ended up getting her um, PhD with me. Okay. Working on a project with me, and now she's on the faculty at, uh, at Virginia Tech. And there are lots and lots of those stories, and that, those are the stories that make me the happiest because yeah. then I, I, I really do feel like I, I made a profound difference in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, I, 
I frequently get emails, random emails from somebody that took a class, maybe when you took yeah, it yeah. In, in 2011, and they'll send me a picture of an insect and say, what is this? Or they'll drop me an email and say, hey, I saw this really cool critter, and it, rem it reminded me of you and how much I enjoyed that class. And, you know, when you get that kind of thing, it's kind of hard to hate your job, too. You know, yeah. it's really... It's really, it's really gratifying. So, and uh, at, with having had almost 9,000 students, there's really no place I can go without bumping into former students now. Thanks. So, a I, I, little story on that. Sure. I, I went to, several years ago, I went to do a, uh, to a conference in, uh, or I'm sorry, to a, uh, took a trip to uh, Chile with, with my department head. And our intention was to try and establish a, uh, relationship with one of the uh, universities down there where we could maybe do some student exchanges and things oh, like God. that. We had a great trip, and then um, we were in the southern part of the country. We flew back to Santiago, and um, we had most of a day before I was supposed to get on the airplane right. to come back to the States. Mm -hmm. And we got back to the airport and um, found my flight had been canceled. Okay. We were going to spend the whole day goofing around Santiago, but I spent that whole day trying to get on another airplane so I could get <laughs> home in the airport and finally got all those arrangements made. And I was, by the time I was getting ready to board that airplane, I was in a pretty, I'll say foul mood. Okay. It's fair. Because I, I lost a day and it was stressful. And I was just about to hand my ticket to the young lady that was taking the tickets at the, at the gate. And somebody behind me said, hey, Doc Sorensen in Santiago, Chile. Really? <laughs> and I turned around, and there was one of my former students from a semester before. Oh, wow. Getting on the same airplane. Turns out he played club soccer in, in Chile. So, yeah, I, I basically can't go anywhere without bumping into that former really students. That really is, yeah. And that's really cool, too. You know? that, yeah, that's got to be an unreal feeling. Yeah. And, uh, it's, 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 and that, I'm sure that brightened your day. Oh, no, it, it, my, my, my attitude completely changed. In fact, I've got a picture on my computer of oh. me and him standing at the airplane oh, door. Wow. Both of us grinning like mules eating briars uh, <laughs> and having a big old time. So, yeah. Okay. But, uh, you know, that's uh, all, all those students and all the, the graduate students that have taken my graduate classes and all the the students that I've mentored as a primary advisor in their graduate studies, it, you know, that's a, that's, that's the, that's the legacy of any professor. And I hope I have a, a robust legacy. Yeah. So one of the things related to that is that, you know, I, I've had a, a great time in my career teaching here mm -hmm. and, um, I, I benefited from, a remarkable mentor in teaching, a fellow named Ron Coor, okay. um, who came to NC State while I was a graduate student to be the department head of the Department of Entomology. And then by and by, he moved up into higher administration in CALS. And while I was gone out wandering out west, <laughs> he got tired of administration and said he wanted to finish his career teaching. And so sure. he came back to the department and he started in 201. Oh, okay. On a bet with the dean that it wouldn't fly. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, it did fly. But when I came back to join the faculty, he he uh, he was one of my um, 
original mentors, both um, in teaching, but also in, in general in establishing my academic career here. He's a really wonderful fellow and a really good teacher. And uh, he saw in me, I think, the potential that I could be a really good teacher. And he was the one that encouraged me to eventually gravitate away from a really heavy research commitment to a much heavier teaching commitment. Hmm. And then, of course, like does happen to people that you care about, he, he passed away a few years ago. Um, before his time, he was he was an older fellow, but before his time, and his uh, widow and uh, friends and family um, established a, a an endowment, mm-hmm. and I was part of that initial establishment. The whole point of this long, complicated story is to get to the to the end point of. Um, that endowment and the endowment that my wife and I have established, um, the goal of both of these is to foster excellence in teaching, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the students that are, the graduate students that are leaving our program. Okay. So we want, through these vehicles, we want to enhance the training of teachers. There are lots of mechanisms for recognizing and enhancing research productivity, but, but we want some of our graduates from this program to be really excellent teachers. And so both these endowments are set up to support fellowships to help um, graduate students, PhD students primarily, um, gain deeper and uh, more significant teaching experience that will make them more competitive for teaching positions if, uh, as they leave here and go out into the wide world. Okay. And the names of those two, the official names in case anyone would so, like to give to, to yeah, support So, yeah, so there's the uh, Ronald Coor um, Teaching Fellowship okay. is, is uh, one of them, and then the Clyde and Leanne Sorensen Endowment. And basically, we're going to be using both of these. We already are using them to support uh, enhanced graduate student teaching experiences. Okay. And you know, you know, in 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 the grand scheme of things, if they were to to grow large enough, um, I wouldn't mind seeing down the road, you know, a, a, a core endowment for a core chair in in teaching. We have lots of programs that support excellence in research. We need more programs that support and develop excellence in, in teaching. And so that's sort of where we're, we're aiming our, our efforts anyway. Okay. We'll include uh, links to both of those in the show notes, and hopefully listeners will or help, help contribute with that. But um, Yeah. So at some point I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and get in touch with some of those 8,000, 9,000 students and see it. You know, if every one of them kicked in 10 bucks, we'd be in pretty good shape. Honestly, yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> we'd, be, uh, we'd, be, we'd be making some headway. So, um, but yeah, I, 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 I've loved my time here. You know, I've, it's obvious that um, I've got fewer years in front of me than I have behind me. In my in my career here, but uh, 
this is a magnificent institution in lots of ways. It's like every other place. It's got its issues and problems, but um, but I, I I think it's a it's a it's a really fine school. It's done really fine by me. Hmm. It's provided me most of, of the good things in my life in one way or another, and uh, I want to see it continue to succeed and grow. We're we're happy to have you here on campus, but I'm especially happy that I've had you here on the podcast today. I uh, I saw you earlier this year uh, of um, the Pull-In Society, mm-hmm. which honors plan giving, and you mentioned the endowment you and your wife were giving to. And I saw you, and I thought, I know he's a DP, and now he's a plan giver. I was like, I've got to have him on the podcast. So thank you so much, Dr. Sorensen. Glad to do it. It's been a, been a, been a lot of fun. To learn more about Dr. Sorensen's groundbreaking work here at NC State, please visit go.ncsu.edu slash Sorensen, spelled S-O-R-E-N-S-O-N. If you'd like to hear even more stories of Wolfpack success, please subscribe to the NC State Philanthropy Podcast today in the Apple or Google Podcast stores, on Spotify, or through Stitcher. Be sure to leave a comment and rating as well to let us know how we're doing. Thanks for listening, and as always, Go Pack!